So I, I just wanted to say, uh, just for a moment, that um, this has been difficult. And even during this, especially during this season, this has been, this has been difficult. Uh, I know it's been for you. I know it's been for, for us. Uh, I'm, I miss you like crazy. I miss seeing your faces. I miss your hugs. Um, I miss hearing your voices as we sing together and worship God. Um, so this has been hard, uh, but I continue to be grateful for, for this time that we get to spend together. I continue to be grateful for uh, the interaction that we get in the comments below after worship. Uh, so, so thank you for participating in this way. Uh, I'm really grateful. And there's hope on the horizon. Uh, there is hope on the horizon. Uh, so we just continue to take this one week at a time. Uh, we continue to, to connect by phone, connect by text, connect by Facebook, however you need it. Uh, email, that archaic way of communication, email. Uh, we can still connect that way too. So I just wanted to say, if you need anything, uh, contact us, especially during this season where this can get really hard and depressing. Uh, because we can't do the things that we really want to do. Uh, if you need to talk, let us know. If you need to connect, let us know. Uh, we'll be there for you. So, as we continue worship, we're going to look this morning at Luke chapter 1, verses 39 through 56. Uh, Luke 1, 39 through 56. Uh, you'll find the words on the screen, as always, before we read them. Let's pray uh, together. But God, we're, we're just grateful for this moment, again, where we get to pay attention to you. We get to pay attention to your presence, get to, to read another one of these stories surrounding the birth of you, Jesus. And they're astounding. And if we let them, they will change us. They will give us a new perspective on life and how we ought to be in the world. And so we pray for that to happen this morning. We, we ask that you would do what, what you need to do in us to change us and transform us into the kind of people who look and act and talk and love like Jesus. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. So Luke 1, 39 through 56. So the angel had come to Mary and said, You are going to be with child. You're going to give birth to a son. His name will be Jesus. He will be called Son of the Most High, and his kingdom will, will last forever. And she says, May it be to me as you have said. And then, at that time, Mary got ready, hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And in a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child that you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. Mary said, 
My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arms. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he said to our fathers. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. We'll go that far. You know, this whole season, this whole season of Advent and Christmas and all the little stories that we read leading up to and including the birth of Jesus, I don't know if we give them enough credit for being as revolutionary as they really are. I don't think we do. Because Christmas is all about seeing things differently. Christmas is, is all about understanding reality from a, from a different angle, a new angle. Reorienting our lives around a, around a new and brilliant perspective. These stories are revolutionary. Mary and Elizabeth, these two women, well, they're revolutionaries. See, Mary's visit with Aunt Elizabeth isn't just a simple meeting between, between two pregnant women. It's the first introduction of a savior named Jesus and a mighty prepare-the-way prophet named John, who will eventually be called John the Baptist. If we think about it for two seconds, this unplanned pregnancy of an unmarried woman, well, it normally wouldn't be cause for celebration. At this point in time, Mary is probably being labeled as a, as a 14-year-old because she was probably about 14 years old, which is shocking in and of itself. But she would she'd probably been labeled by her community as a 14-year-old adulteress. But she doesn't see it that way. She sees this surprised child as a reason for her soul to glorify the Lord and her spirit to rejoice in God my Savior. Those are her words. Little baby Jesus inside her womb would be a king, but not like anyone expects. He will be the Savior God who will bring down the powerful from their thrones and lift up the lowly. Christmas is pretty revolutionary. Shatters expectations. It if we let it, gets us outside of our own puny little boxes, especially the boxes that we have neatly wrapped and placed under our Christmas trees in our own homes right now. Christmas allows us to hear a song of praise as a celebration of God's ability to turn the whole thing upside down, to turn the whole world upside down. Mary and Elizabeth, baby Jesus and baby John the Baptist, they're revolutionaries, revolutionaries who worship and have extraordinary faith in a God who's about to transform absolutely everything. Christmas is revolutionary. 
Of course, revolutionaries aren't all about destroying things. <laughs> not, not in the least. I mean, the words sound violent, right? Shattering expectations, shaking our perspectives. Revolutionaries just aren't about destroying things. They're, they're about building things. They're about creativity and, and, and constructing something new. These are the kind of people who do what, what us normal, boring people think could never be done. So I want to just spend a couple of moments and give you a couple of examples of some revolutionaries in our world. The first one will be kind of a surface revolutionary, but actually revolutionized, we revolutionized how we sort of consume reality, really. The other one is a much deeper, more profound level. So we'll start with the first one. A guy named Steve Jobs. Have you heard of him? Yeah, he, he helped rehabilitate the severely damaged brand of Apple. And he did so by just being a revolutionary. Remember when we had CD players? Maybe some of you still use a CD player. But remember the portable ones, the Discman? Like, you could walk around. It was awesome. You could walk around with music. Play, this little thing would play your CDs, but, but it was far from perfect. Right? You had to keep it totally level, and if you had it mounted in your car and you hit any sort of bump, it would just skip, and it wasn't ideal. And plus, you had to carry around this big sleeve or this big packet of CDs if you wanted to listen to something else. Well, Steve Jobs changed all that. He created the iPod. It didn't just have one album, it had your entire library on it, including pictures and videos. You could watch videos on the thing. And then he took it another step further, revolutionized it again. When he came up with the iPod Touch, it didn't even have any buttons. You could just scroll by touching the screen. What kind of magic is this? And then they went one step further and they put a phone in the thing. And now we all carry these supercomputers around in our pockets, totally changing the way that we interact with the reality around us. That's pretty revolutionary, right? But here's another revolutionary, a woman named Dorothy Day. Her name, for some reason, came to mind to me this last week as I was thinking about revolutionaries. And there's so many to choose from, but she's an extraordinary woman. If you don't know her story, I encourage you to just do a casual Google search and and you can learn a lot about her. Dorothy Day, a revolutionary. From a very young age, she had sort of an eye for those who were poor and people who were living out on the streets, the homeless. Her family moved from San Francisco to Chicago, and she still had an eye for people like that. Then she moved to to New York City and found those sorts of people all over the place. And so she decided to do something about it because her heart burned with compassion for these people. She created the Catholic Worker, which was a newspaper. It was a resource for people who lived on the street. They could figure out where they could get what they need and how they could get what they need. And she sold the newspaper during the Great Depression for a penny you can still get the Catholic worker for a penny today. You may have to pay a little bit more for shipping, but it just costs a penny an issue. But she went further than that. Eventually, she began these, creating these hospitality houses. Really, they were homeless shelters where anyone could come if they needed a place to be cared for. Anyone, no judgment, 
no requirements. You just show up and you will be cared for. She did something about it. And this created a movement. It's called the Catholic Workers Movement. And now in 187 different communities around the world, there are hospitality houses. We even have one right here in Ames. Revolutionaries, they don't just break things apart. They don't tear things apart. They're creative. They create something, they create something new. They shatter expectations. They do what us normal, boring people could think could never be done. And they just go ahead and do it anyway. This, of course, brings us to Elizabeth and Mary in our story this morning. Revolutionaries who, who happen to see reality as it is, but they also see what reality could be if someone just did something about it. And they did. So let's start with Elizabeth. According to her husband, you'll learn this earlier in the story, she is well along in years, which is just a nice, polite way of saying she's old. She's older. And she's pregnant. Not an easy thing. A really difficult thing. So we, we could imagine her being a little bit tired all the time. We could imagine her being a little bit grumpy all the time and we would forgive her for that because we would understand she also has this little niece mary who's maybe 14 ish years old it seems that mary would be talking about it the whole town would be whispering behind her back they're saying things like she cheated on joseph did you hear about mary she's an adulteress she's a tramp what an embarrassment to her family we'll talk more about this on christmas eve can you imagine that well, as the story goes, Mary comes to visit Elizabeth in her home. She's tired, and she's so very afraid, and she's so very pregnant. And she doesn't want to be rejected by her own family. But get this, when Elizabeth sees her, Mary, so young, so vulnerable, so very pregnant, what does she do? This woman shouts with joy. Listen to what she says. Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of the Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. Blessed are you among women, you unmarried, unplanned pregnancy girl. And blessed is the child you will bear. That's the first thing she says. As I read this story, I always think about how, how everybody needs someone like Elizabeth in their lives. Everybody. Someone you can go to when you're all out of options. Someone who will take you in when Everybody else has kicked you out and turned their back on you. Maybe when the world has kicked you out, pushed you to the side. I think everybody needs someone like that. Someone you can go to when your own parents can't deal with you. Someone whose unconditional love is seemingly limitless. We all need someone like that. Someone who can see beyond your poor grades 
social outburst, your eating disorder, your alcoholism, someone, someone who can see right through that, right through that false facade you put up, sees right down to the person you actually are. We all need someone like that, someone who thinks your unplanned and completely inappropriate pregnancy is a blessing, and they'll say it to you. Elizabeth, she's a revolutionary because she does what the world doesn't expect. She does what the world never does. In a world full of people quick to judge and harsh with their lips, Elizabeth offers grace. She offers mercy. She offers unconditional acceptance. Elizabeth offers love and life and a home in which to live for three whole months. And not only do we need Elizabeth in our lives, that's the kind of person I'd like to be. Wouldn't you? The kind of person who's revolutionary with love and revolutionary with grace and revolutionary with mercy and acceptance because those things are revolutionary in and of themselves and they have the power to change the lives of people and they have the power to change and transform the world. I'm betting you want to be that kind of person too. In fact, isn't that the kind of community we're trying to create here? Yeah, it is. In fact, from the very beginning, that's been one of our core values, unconditional acceptance. That's the kind of place that we want to be, that we want to be the kind of revolutionary presence of love in the world because we believe that that's who Jesus was and is and who we are called to be. Elizabeth, a revolutionary. Let's turn to Mary, the other revolutionary in the story. So we talked about it last week, but the angel Gabriel comes to this unmarried little 14-year-old girl and tells her that she's going to have a baby boy and she's pregnant even though she's still a virgin. She knows how hard this is going to be. She knows what the world is going to think of her. She knows what Joseph is going to think of her. But she chooses to believe. Think of it. She chooses to open herself up to the possibility that God might look favorably upon her even though she's a nowhere girl from a nowhere town called Nazareth. She says to the angel, may it be to me as you have said. She understands that Jesus is pure gift and all she has to do is accept it in faith and trust that God will continue to work for good in her life. Then she experiences the love and grace and mercy and acceptance of Aunt Elizabeth, and she starts to realize that that's just the kind of thing that God is up to in the world. And so she sings a song about it. It's a revolutionary song. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arms. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but sent the rich away empty. He brings down rulers from their thrones. He lifts up the humble. He scatters the proud. 
Honey, that's not the way the world works. We live in a world of big computer giants, ginormous oil companies, and huge banks. We live in an Amazon.com world where bigger is always better, and the smaller you are, the smaller you are going to get. That's what makes Mary's song so disturbing and threatening and oh so good. God brings down the proud and lifts up the humble. God is way less concerned about powerful people lining their pockets with cash money and way more concerned about the good of all people, all people. Mary now understands that God isn't trapped by traditional ideas about him, even today. You understand what she's doing, right? She's revolutionizing the way that we conceive of who God is. She's revolutionizing how, how we see God. See, back in the first century, it was commonly assumed that material wealth and power and money and prosperity, well, what are those signs of? Well, the gods must be favorable to those people. It was a sign of God's favor. And poverty, sickness, weakness, and disease were all signs of God's judgment. We still think that way today. That hasn't gone away. But she shatters all of that. She shakes us loose from that perspective. Poor Mary, living in nowhere town called Nazareth, opens herself up to the divine presence and she becomes the bearer of God to the world. Think of that. She, God is conceived in her womb, and then she gives her son Jesus to the world as a gift. She's a revolutionary. She understands that God is turning things upside down, making all things new, before Jesus was even born. You know what? I'm starting to think that I know where Jesus got some of his ideas. I think he spent some time with Aunt Elizabeth and a whole bunch of time with Mama Mary. So where are you this morning? What do you need to do with these two revolutionaries? Maybe you need to lean into Elizabeth. You know, maybe there's somebody who's close to you or someone at work who's done some things to embarrass you or your family or maybe even just themselves. Maybe they've gotten into some kind of trouble. Maybe, they, maybe they've said some things that they shouldn't have said. Maybe they've done something to hurt you or maybe they're just the odd duck or maybe, maybe they're different and the world sort of categorizes them as not normal. Do you need to lean into Elizabeth and offer them some love, some grace, some mercy, some acceptance? Maybe, maybe be revolutionary in that way. In a world full of people who are harsh with their lips and rush to judgment, maybe grace and love can be what you lean into. Or maybe you need to lean into this, <laughs> this Mama Mary. What an extraordinary woman. Maybe you could grasp on to the truth that she understood and God revealed to her about God in her life. That God really does love you. 
that God's love for you has nothing to do with, with how well you do your job or how much money you make or your achievements or your marital status or literally anything else. God announces, Mary announces, that God favors us in our humility, in our simple willingness to, to just lean on him no matter who you are. Do you need to lean into Mary? Maybe you need to open yourself up to the reality that you, God wants to really work through you, even you, just little old you. God wants to do something special through you. Maybe you need to open yourself up to the reality that God wants to be conceived inside of you so that you can give God back to the world. In a world that tells you you can't be anything, especially anything special, unless you have power or money or the right connections, Mary says, be humble. Trust in the power of God. And he'll do something special through you. Be a revolutionary. It's part of what Christmas is really all about. It will transform us if we let it. And we can transform the world if we just work with God to do it. It's revolutionary stuff.